Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Uh, there's an interesting survey that was released today from Forum Research, one of the uh, well-regarded pollsters here in this country, that reveals that, uh, and this is the headline, that conservative and Quebecers seem to have the most bias in this country. That was the question that Forum Research asked. Uh, what are your political leanings and do you have a bias uh, towards uh, one group or, or another. The ones that they focused on during this uh, survey, uh, they said, uh, do you feel unfavorable about one of the following groups? Muslims, First Nations, South Asians, Asians, Jews, and black people. And apparently 57% of respondents from Quebec felt unfavorable toward at least one of those groups. 45% from Alberta, 39% from Atlantic Canada, 35% from B.C., and about 33% in Ontario, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. Muslims were subjected to the most ill will from respondents. 28% said they view that religious minority unfavorably. Now, does that necessarily mean racist, or does it just mean they view it unfavorably? Some would suggest that's one and the same. But it uh, certainly shows that there is certainly a bias that's uh, still here. And, uh, you know, the, the number of times that we've had this discussion and say, oh, no, we're smarter, we don't do that, we're, we're, we're more informed now. This uh, this this survey seems to indicate otherwise. Where does this bias come from, and where does this unfavorable feeling that we have about these groups or these religions or these ethnicities coming from? Let me get Theo Sellis in on the conversation here, registered family therapist and the president of Integrity Works. Theo, thank you for the time. It's good to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm having a great day, too. It's my first day off from school. I've got all my grades in, and I'm enjoying a stupid movie day. Have you ever done that? Yeah, what's the stupid movie? I'm just in the middle of watching Airplane this time. Oh, that's a stupid movie. That's right. It's one of the best stupid movies of all time, though. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. Don't call me Shirley. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and on and on it goes. But anyway, we digress. Uh, let's yeah. let's talk a little bit about this. I, I was actually troubled when I saw this number because I thought, no, nah, you know what? We're we're okay. There's a, there's a few pockets of, of of these sorts of unfavorable feelings, mind you. I think that's a euphemism for hatred or anger. But, Maybe. but well, it could be. I mean, how how else are you supposed to perceive that? Well, it, it's a little. I think it's a little misleading, though. It's important to look at at the headline and and understand the difference between bias and prejudice and discrimination. So the the headline was conservatives Quebecers most biased poll finds, and that in itself is <clears throat> is misleading. Um, and we have to find out what exactly unfavorable means or favorable. But let's look at bias. The it, and because it, it's an important question. It implies that these people are more biased because they're reporting more unfavorable feelings. But I think there's a little confusion around what bias actually means. Uh, bias really just gets to uh, this notion of whether or not people can be partial or impartial. Can you be impartial? Can you be objective? And so as a starting point, it's useful to think of everyone being biased. It's like that bias is inevitable. And, that, and that's an important part of the discussion because... Um, if you accept that you yourself are always going to have your own unique perspective based on your own lens, your own life experience, that bias, you're always going to have your subjective reality. That is a good starting point for you to then uh, recognize that you yourself are vulnerable to have things like stereotypical ideas about people or prejudiced ideas about people and that you might discriminate against people. So um, there, I think it's misleading to say conservatives or Quebecers are more biased. We all are biased. Now, what happens? What do we do with those biases? How aware are we of our biases? And uh, do we have biases that are also associated with, with uh, kind of rigid ideas about people, that that's what people who are like, people who are black or people who are gay or people who are Muslim, that's what they're like, or that's the stereotype. Or if we 
start thinking negative things about them, and we think that somehow we should fear them or we should hate them, or uh, that's more of a prejudice. Like it's a negative, it's associated with a sort of a negative take on people, and then the discrimination is more do we act on that? Do we act on that prejudice? So it's it's a little more complicated than the um, the headline is is leading us to believe. And and that that. The, the last part that you talked about there, acting upon that 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 prejudice, uh, is, is obviously the most fearful. I mean, that could be the that's the the end of the game here that we don't want to see happen. But that dis, mistrust or distrust or unfavorable feeling has to be there in the first place, doesn't it? Yeah, but then we have to say, okay, so if the basic question is you're asked whether or not you feel favorable, unfavorable, or don't know feelings towards a particular group of people. What does that actually mean? Can you actually jump from unfavorable to racist? And I don't think that that's a logical leap either. I mean, you could suspect that it might be, but I don't think it's logical. I think unfavorable could be uh, anything associated with how you feel towards those groups. Supposing, let's say, uh, you when you think of these groups, you think of being inconvenienced, or you think of an expense, or you think of like you have to change somehow to accommodate people. Maybe you're tired of accommodating. Maybe. Maybe you've been convinced that the world is getting too politically correct, and this this particular group is associated with that kind of idea, and so you feel unfavorable. That doesn't necessarily mean you're racist, doesn't mean you're prejudiced, doesn't mean you're discriminating. You're going to discriminate them. You just may you may have unfavorable feelings. Maybe you maybe you're just tired of hearing about Muslims or terrorism, or you're tired of hearing about First Nations, and so you have unfavorable feelings. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're racist. We have to be very careful about making that jump. But isn't that a misplaced uh, anger then to, to actually have that feeling? Uh, you know, for, you know. For instance, you know, well, we hear all these terrorism stories or these threats of terrorism. So, as a result, I, I hate that whole group. I, I you know, that's that's seems to me to be a bit of a stretch. I know it happens, but it it doesn't seem to be logical to me. Yeah, well, it's sort of like a classical conditioning. You start associating one thing with another, so the two of them get sort of intertwined, which is back to this idea of making sure that you understand that inevitably you'll have your subjective view of people. Inevitably, you have your own personal idea of what's right or wrong, safe or not safe, good or bad. That's your fundamental, natural bias that you're going to have. You you are incapable of experiencing the world uh, objectively. The best you can do is be aware of your biases and then work towards changing them. So, uh, So if you have these kind of unfavorable feelings, that might be an, an interesting first step for you to then say, well, wait a second, there's something in there that I need to look at. Why, why do I have this reaction when uh, people ask me about a particular group of people? When I say unfavorable, what does that mean to me? Like, what is, what is that all about for me? And, 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 and could it possibly lead me then to treat people differently? Could it, could it lead me to discriminate against people? Uh, you know, what do I do with this feeling? Where does it come from? Where did I get it? Um, why do I have it? Why do other people not have it? Um, what uh, what are the kind of thoughts that I have, conscious or unconscious thoughts that I tend to have about people uh, who are described like that? That's that starting point. <clears throat> so I, like I teach my students who are interested in being counselors, I say, look, give up the idea that you're going to be objective, but be really aware of your subjectivity all the time so you can continue to work through it and make sure that it doesn't impact your relationships with people. Where does it come from? Is it something that we're born with? Is it something that evolves? Is it something we develop? Well, we're we're you know from from moment on moment we pop out we're we're so we we immediately are exposed to a wide variety of verbal and nonverbal kind of messages as we experience and encounter the world and try to make sense of it, and and sometimes it's not uh, particularly direct, it's not explicit, um, so <clears throat> you could develop a prejudice or a, 
uh, stereotypical ideas about people you've never met before who haven't, who haven't even been talked about before. So if you're raised in a community where um, everyone has got really pale skin and they're all in heterosexual relationships, you don't necessarily need to be told that uh, black people and homosexual people are somehow different and should be sort of seen as less than or different or be afraid. You can just sort of like... That's not the norm, and so when people associate something that's with not the norm, sometimes we then go, well, because it's not what we're usually seeing, we kind of have to kind of be kind of thinking that's too different. And we, of course, unfortunately, have often been told and learned that difference is threatening. We have to kind of be worried about it because it could be some sort of a threat to our way of life, our way of seeing things. So you don't have to talk about things. As a matter of fact, just not talking about them can give a message that there's something wrong with it. So, like, parents who, for instance, who are against the whole sex ed uh, um, program in schools, because they, you know, believe it's up to them to talk about sex, well, oftentimes these people aren't really talking about sex. Not saying something about sex can give the message that sex is something to be ashamed of, not talked about, it's somehow kind of dirty, something that you don't really, it's not a really, it's not like an open part of life that you can discuss and talk about freely. So, Again, you can develop this kind of idea about things even without having to be told directly about them. But but there are those, and you've seen this, I'm sure, thousands of times. They are, I know I have. Uh, where somebody just has a, a, an immediate reaction to, let's just say, somebody on the street or somebody in a grocery store who's who's maybe wearing a hijab or, or a yarmulke or something like that, or, you know, and just they just have this, they recoil almost, uh, and you, you can almost see a physical reaction to it. Uh, which which tells me they've all got a preconceived notion about this. Is it based on life experience, or is it based on innuendo, or is it based... Well, I'll ask you, what is it based on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you continued on, I would have said, like, all of the above, right? So um, so there's all kinds of stories about people who look a particular way, and those are, again, you can condition to experience that as being <clears throat> seen as being a threat to you. <clears throat> so if you, it's, you know, it's this kind of classical condition... People think Muslims, they think terrorism, they think about threats to themselves, and so they have that reaction, right? It's a very sort of basic kind of, these are the images that we have. So we have lots of images of people dying and being blown up, and then we have pictures of people who look at us this particular way, and that's the kind of label that we have about them. So now they're associated with a threat to us, and so we react to them as if they're directly uh, threatening us. And a lot of that also is associated, I think, with how we raise our children. How do we, how do we go about... Um, sort of helping people encounter the world like what's your what what is your typical experience when you encounter something that's different than what you're used to like a different thought or a different um a different image a different person a different skin color different what's what how do you respond to what, what things that you don't know or that you haven't been taught directly about and if if the if the teaching that you've had is you know if you don't know something you should be kind of like upset about that and be, you know, you don't want to come across as being not informed and so you might get kind of defensive about it as opposed to when you encounter something different, do you allow yourself to be curious about it? Do you allow yourself to ask questions about it? Do you allow yourself to be open to learning about it and not see, not knowing something as being something, some sort of negative message about yourself? So a lot of it has to do with how we teach our kids about questions and about being curious and not being ashamed of not knowing something and also questioning what they think that they know. So when they hear a particular message or a story from somebody else or see a news article, um, they respond by questioning it as opposed to just accepting that that one event is somehow representative of their whole possible experience. 
But what is it that, that, that wires us in that fashion? That, that, that you know, let's face it. I mean, since you know, nine eleven. I mean, and terrorism and the threat of terrorism and some of the stories we've heard. Uh, that there's this immediate reaction, this visceral reaction to see somebody who is a Muslim and say, ah, potential terrorist. Yet when Timothy McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma City uh, federal building and killed uh, hundreds of people, uh, and uh, nobody said, well, you know, every time we see a white Christian fundamentalist now, we're going to recoil in the same way. They don't. So there's something else going on there. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really good point. And I think, it, I think that um, part of that is that... Um, People who um, who look similar than the um, sort of the larger majority who are having these kind of reactions. So if we if we look at the sort of the white Christian populace, we might be having more of that reaction to someone who's Muslim. Um, so it's really really frightening to think that could be us. It's easier to think about the world in us versus them, right? Because it's easier to keep it safe that way. It, it's it's a lot less confusing and a lot less threatening to think that one of us could be the ones that hurt us. So it's kind of almost like a, a shortcut. That's what, that's what stereotypes do, right? They, they're like these shortcuts to, to sort of like a, a, an abbreviated form of knowledge. If we can just have these stereotypes of what dangerous people look like, then it's going to be easier for us to feel like we're safe because we can identify them, those people. We don't necessarily want to open up to the possibility that it's our neighbor. How in the world would we be able to sleep at night? It's much easier to go, are those people over there or those people we can keep from the country unless we screen them for values, Canadian values, and we can protect us against those people. The idea that those people are us is really terrifying, and I don't think it's where a lot of people really want to go. But it's where they need to go, and it's back to this idea that there is no them or us. They're just We're just all people, and we all have this bias. We all are raised as a sort of subjective reality, and we are just as likely to be dangerous as those people. We're all in it together kind of thing. So it's for our own peace of mind, I guess, really, is what it comes down to. In other words, people that, that would carry out horrendous acts, we want them to look different than us. We want them to, to be easily distinguishable as opposed to somebody like, like a Timothy McVeigh or, or John Wayne Gacy or you know some of these mass killers that look like you know the nice young guy that lives next door to you. And if, in fact, it was the nice young guy that lived next door to somebody. We, we don't want to think that, that those sorts of people can bring evil. So we start looking for people that are different and say, well, they're, if they're different, then they must be not as good as us. Yeah, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. It's how we've been trained. It's how we think. It's even in the way we approach children. It's this idea that there are some we can pick out the dangerous people, those people, as opposed to, holy crap, you know what? Uh, we all have the capacity to be really awesome and be really loving and be really amazing, and we all have the capacity to be really dangerous and hurtful uh, and people that uh, you know we need to be feeling protected from. We we have that potential. We, we, you know, when, whenever bad things happen, you know, it's inevitable that, you know, someone will ask me, you know, are people good or evil? Are there bad people? Are there evil people? What about those people over there? Those people are somehow different. And it's frustrating to hear, for people here, I think, that, that um, you know, there's good and evil in all of us, right? You can't sort of attach a particular look to it, even though, man, wouldn't that be convenient? I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could just say, we know who's dangerous. It's people who wear that article of clothing. 
that's like that's awesome. Like that makes our lives so much simpler. If we could say people with that skin color, they're the ones that we have to be worried about. Like that's that's awesome. Like it simplifies life and it makes it easier for us to feel safe and protect our children. Theo Sellis, registered family therapist. Thanks as always, Theo. Have a great week and enjoy airplane. <laughs> You're welcome. Take care, Bill. <laughs> Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.